there are a handful of moments in most lives where um, you're presented with an opportunity. And that opportunity, if you accept that opportunity, you know going into it, that opportunity will result in big, big, big changes happening. You have to decide whether you're ready for that. We've done a whole series called Ready or Not. And we've talked mostly about the changes that come into our lives that you don't have any choice about, or very little. Things that come upon you that bring forced change into your life. We've talked about health issues. We've talked about when children come into your life. We've talked about financial things that spring upon us. And today we're going to kind of take one last look and think about the biggest change. Because, see, there are some changes that, again, are come upon us, and there are some that you are presented with the opportunity to say, are you, do you want it? Ready or not? Do you want it? And you have a decision that you make. So someone proposes marriage to you. And at that moment, you have a decision. Because if, depending on your decision, a major, major change is going to happen. It'll follow that. It has to follow that. Maybe you get presented with a job opportunity or a career change, and it... it it's going to require a major shift. It's going to require you move. It's going to require that you com- completely change careers. And you say, I don't have to do this. But if I do, I know. The ramifications are going to be huge. The changes are going to be big. Sometimes it's doctor's orders. You go to the doctor and they say, you want to live longer? Here's what you need to decide whether you're going to do. You sit there and nod your head to all the stuff. And then you walk away. And you decide whether or not you're ready for that big change. I was invited um, to swim some laps, and somebody got my attention and asked me. They told me, "Hey, there's this group that um, they, you know, they come in here regularly and they swim laps, but they also do a little competitions for people who are not, you know, not in high school anymore, not in college anymore. They just kind of, but but you know, they do a little. It's good for." I said, "Oh, well, tell me about it." And you know, you know there's certain events you can. So would you be interested in that? And I said, well, tell me more. And they said how often they get together and, and all this stuff. And then they said, yeah, we, you, know, you can come anytime. It's at 5.30 and, and we go about an hour and a half. And I said, what, 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 what time was that? 5.30? A.M. or P.M.? Oh, it's A.M. And in that moment, I made a decision. <laughs> Not on your life. I have a standing appointment at 5.30. No, I'm not praying at that time. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to incur all those changes just to do part of whatever. Go knock yourselves out. I'll just show up and putts. That's what I'll do. You have a decision that you have to make. There is nothing. There is nothing more uh, that will carry more change than the decision that we're closing with today on this series. I had a friend whose son was invited to train for the Olympics, and he accepted. And for the next six years of his life, he worked and worked and worked, six days a week, sometimes seven, training, 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 and he didn't make the Olympic team. But even that, nothing, nothing is, will carry more of a change, the bigger change, than the call of Jesus Christ when it comes on your life. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to take a look in Colossians chapter 1. Show you some others, refer to some others, but uh, we'll start in Colossians 1. As you turn there, understand this. When Jesus Christ, I mean, 
he, I, we believe around here that he's actually alive. We believe that. We believe he is who he said he is. We believe he is the son of God. We believe he is God in the flesh. We believe that he came to earth, really came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave. We believe he lives in eternity. He's preparing a place for those who follow him. We believe that. I believe it. I've, I've put, I've, I'm all in on Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ calls to a person, when he gives his invitation to a person, he enacts, if they accept his invitation, a radical inside-out transformation of life. Everything else. It's, it's a, it's a life-altering change. It's a behavior-altering change. It's a concept-thinking change. It's an eternity-altering change that he enacts. It's a change that you were meant for, you were created for. It's a change that he invites. And here's just a way uh, that kind of talks about him and what he, who he is and what he, he does. And this is Colossians 1. So I'm going to start with verse 15. He, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the manifestation, that means, the physical manifestation. He's God in the flesh. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's in charge, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible things, invisible things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Get this, all things, whether they acknowledge him or not, all things were created by Jesus Christ. All things were created by him, and they were created for him. That includes you, me. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. The guy's a big deal. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of, and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Christ, in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We'll read more in just a little bit. But there's a a call that Jesus Christ issues when he talks to human beings. It's a call on your life. And if you answer this call, it enacts a major change. I'm going to illustrate that this morning with something. Here's something that's true about you and me. Everybody who lives, this is true about. We assign a place to uh, to God in our life. You have assigned a place to him right now. Functionally, whether consciously or not, you've assigned him a place. Now, there are those who will not acknowledge that there is a God, but that means we've assigned him to exile. We say we don't even believe he exists. 95% of the population says he does. But there's a spectrum of what... There's a seat that Jesus Christ is is invited to take up in your life. We're just going to kind of illustrate it this way. For some of us, this seat... This seat is wherein Jesus is invited to be in our life. This is a seat that says, or about God, that God is there. God is there. But he's not here. There's a God. Again, 92 to 95% of the population, there's a God. He's there. He's just not here. He's not part of things. He's the maker of the cosmos. He maybe set evolution in order or something. There's a God. And that's the seat we have him in. For some, the seat's a little different from that. We say, no, God is here. Yeah, he, you're invited to God to have a seat here. That we, we know you're here. God is here. He's not involved. 
God has an awareness of what's going on in the world. He set it in motion. He watches it. He might be the judge of it in some way, but he's just not involved in what happens in life. He's not involved in my life. God, you're, I, you, I got a seat for you. I got a place for you. I believe that, God, you're, you're, you're here. Just not involved with me. Some of us put, ask God, we assign this seat to God. In fact, this is a pretty big one. We say, no, God is involved. It would be foolish to say he's not involved. He does stuff in the world. He does stuff in my world. He's, he's there for me. He provides. He protects. There's a God and he's involved. He's, he's not, not just that God is out there but not here. Not just that he's here. No, he's actually involved in my life. He takes care of me. He's there if I need him. He's good. God is involved, he's, but he's not in charge. Because, let's face it, God made us with brains to think and volition to act. And so, God is, so I call on God when, when I need him. He's just not in charge of my life. He's not... He's not, he, I, I don't surrender anything to him. I kind of make my own way, and if I, call, if I need him, he's there. Can I just suggest to you that in our world, it's, in our country, the vast majority of people are probably put God in one of these two seats. If you ask people theology questions, they'll say, oh, yeah, no, Jesus, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yep, Christian, Ju- Judeo-Christian ethics. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Choice, if I mark it when I get admitted to the hospital, or what religion am I? I'm here. But there's some, some of us who have assigned God this seat. And in this seat, we'd say, God is in charge of some. He's in charge of my sin problem. I've kind of invited him to take care of that. God is, God is in charge of uh, my, my morals. You know, I want, I want to, I, I will honor God. I just try to do good for God. I, no, I mean, he's, he, he, he definitely calls some of the shots in my life. So God is in charge of some. And for other, some of us, we, we say, you know what, God, I'm going to actually give you this seat. God is in, God's in charge of much. More than he ever used to be in my life. I've seen more of a need for him and, and, and I've invited him to, to do some stuff. He's, he's in charge of much. Now there are some pockets of my life, some areas of my life. There's some decisions I make that, well, you know, uh, he's maybe not there, but you know what? God is in charge in my life. We would say, I follow Jesus. A lot of us would say, we follow Jesus because there are things that he says that we do. He's in charge of much. Let me just put up one more chair over here. And in this chair, we would say, God is in charge of all. I've come to a recognition of my life 
I was never intended to be in charge of anything. That my ideas don't work on anything. And even when it's hard, even when I disagree, even when I don't understand at all, in everything in my life, God, through His Son Jesus, is supreme. God's there, but He's not here. God's here, but He's not involved. God's involved, but He's not in charge. God's in charge of some. God's in charge of much. God's in charge of all. Jesus Christ came to earth. He encountered a spectrum of of where people place God, and He issued a call. Can I just... I'm going to ask you the obvious question. Just where you sit. If you're honest with yourself. What seat is God invited to sit in right now? For you? Where is he sitting? Because see, God's a gentleman. He doesn't push you in where he's not invited. Oh, he's the judge. And there's accountability. But he doesn't just come in and demand to sit where he's supposed to sit. What he does is he comes and he calls to you. Now look at Colossians 1 again. Verse 17. He, Jesus, is the one who's before all things. And in him all things hold together. So he has a rightful place. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And look at this next phrase. So that so that in everything he may have the supremacy. The the supremacy means he is in the place of absolute final authority in where? In everything. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he issued a call. When we lived in Los Angeles, we were planting a church. Many of you know the story there. And um, we really, really desperately needed somebody to lead worship in our church new church that was started and we were struggling along and we lost some people who'd moved away and there was a guy who was a gifted guy and he was he could play some instruments and he had led worship before and i had a conversation with him and i invited him i said would you team up with me would you be would you be willing to come in and and lead worship and he was thrilled he said absolutely he said i've been looking for opportunities man i want to do this I, I've, I've dabbled in it some but i would really really like to do this so we set that in motion and we were kind of re vamping how we did things and on wednesday no no in fact it was friday before the first service where he was to lead worship he called me and said i need to talk to you right away we met at a little coffee shop and we sat down and he said i can't lead worship and i said why not and he said because i got a call from who he said i got a call from disney okay they want me to work for them. Oh, that's great. Not, not any fancy, not on-air personality, nothing fancy, just somewhere in their offices, but he, they want him to work. And I said, well, that's great. He says, I can't leave worship. He says, why? Because He says, because Disney called. And I didn't get it, I guess, because I wasn't from Southern California originally. I said, what does that mean? He says, you need to understand around here, Disney is the top. Disney is the king. Disney is supreme. Everybody who wor- tries to work in, a, in that industry wishes they would get a call from Disney. And when Disney calls, you answer. 
He said, I have to work. I have to be available any time of day. Any, I, can't, I can't do any preparing. I can't do any worship, worship leading. He, I said, when do you start? He said, I start tomorrow, the weekend. I start tomorrow. I said, what about your old job? Do you give, what about two weeks notice? What about honoring where you work? He says, Disney doesn't stand for that. When Disney calls, you say yes or no, and you jump. And if you don't, and I said, well, why don't you just tell them you need to honor, you know, it's an honor thing. And he said, he says, if I tell them that, they got 500 people who are next in line that they'll call. I have to respond right now. And that was literally the last time I saw that guy. Because Disney called. There's a call that gets, that's put on our lives. In, in Luke 5, Jesus talked about why he came. And he just said this little phrase was put on the screen for you. I, I've not come to call righteous people. Who did he, what did he call to do? I, call, I came to call sinners to repentance. Fairly simple statement with profound um, ramifications in our life. Because he, he calls us to something. And I'm going to summarize for you the call of Jesus. As, as you see through the scripture, what's involved with that? In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, there's this call of a recognition. When Jesus calls you, he calls you to recognize and, and something. And that is that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're dead. Separated from God. A, a, a recognition that we are completely, utterly dependent on him. That we can't make life work on our own. In Proverbs, it says that there's a way that seems right for man, but the way of it leads to death. Jesus called people to recognize that. People call, Jesus called people to change who the director of their life was. That's why he uses the word head of the church and supremacy over all things in Colossians 1.18. The call of Christ is to recognize that there is a, an, a true director for my life. We're, we're called to change the direction in our life. If you read down in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, now, he, now that he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you to make you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation if you continue in your faith. He changes the whole direction of your life, your purpose and identity in your life. He changes your proximity and your relational standing with God. Again, look at verse 22. He says that he, he reconciles you to God. He calls you to be reconciled to God, to the Father. He calls on us to change our hearts. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, which I think is listed in your programs, it says, look, you're dead in your, in your sins and your trespasses against God. But God, because of his love for you, he does something for you, and it's by grace you're saved. And it says that he, you're dead and he makes you alive. That's what he does. He uses phrases throughout the Bible. These phrases that get kind of played around and almost played with in our culture sometimes. He, taught, he uses phrases for what he calls us to do. He uses the phrase born again like a like a second life starts from within you born again he uses phrases like being given a new life he's he phrases like going from bondage to freedom going from slave to child or son phrases like being restored and reconciled jesus said this is where we got our church name I came so that people would have life, life to the fullest. 
when, when, if you respond to the call of Jesus in your life, here's what happens. The seat that you've put God in changes. You say, okay, no longer am I going to ask you to sit in that seat. I've got a different seat for you to sit in. With radical implications. Everything changes. If a person responds to the call of Jesus, like it happened with the disciples, he says, look, leave your nets and come and follow me. Look, I'm going to change not what, just what you do. I'm going to change who you are. The very orientation of your world and your life and your view on things is going to be radically upended by him. Because he says, I'm asking you to surrender your life because it's dead anyway. I'm going to give you my life, but it's my life and I'll be in charge of it inside you. And that life will never end. That life will end to eternity. This is not just escaping from hell. This is what part, what seat God has in your world and in your life right now. Jesus Christ issues a call. He's always doing it. And and sometimes that call is very, very quiet. Very, very subtle. For some of us, for some of you in the room, that call has come in the form of of just a general uneasiness about your world, about your own confidence in yourself or where you're going. You're not quite sure what it's about. Some of you have come in here exploring what it means to enter into God's world and what it means to to start to follow Him. And it nags at you, but it's very, very subtle and you can't quite pick it up, but you're, you're wondering where it's going. And sometimes... He issues a call, and that call is profound, and it is sudden, and it jerks you into reality. For some of us in the room, you've had that happen, where suddenly he shows you that you don't control the health of your life. You don't control the future. You don't control your own security. You aren't capable of making relationships work or setting a course that goes to happiness in your world. And you're jerked into that realization because something hits you so hard and so profoundly that you say, oh, I need help. I don't know where this is going. And it's the call of Jesus. It's the exposure of Jesus. It's full of grace, but sometimes it's sudden. How has he called to you? In whatever chair you've had him, even recently, how has he gotten your attention? How has he called to you? Regardless how he calls, he always describes it a similar way. It's always kind of like a knock because he's a gentleman with it. Right toward the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 3, God talked to some people and he said, here I am. This is Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him. And that symbolizes personal relationship, familial connection. And he'll do so with me. He stands and he knocks. Doesn't push the door in, doesn't knock it in, doesn't scream and shout, doesn't cast judgment statements upon you. He stands and he knocks, but he knocks. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, it describes it this way. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own people didn't receive him. And yet, to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. There's this receiving aspect to it. This sense of being offered something and responding to it. 
Look back at Colossians 1. Verse 22 says, He offers to reconcile you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Remember, He had said that the purpose of this is so that He would have supremacy if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. You've heard that word, right? He's going to say it again. This is the gospel. The gospel that you heard, that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, who's writing this for God, have become a servant. The call of Jesus comes in your life, but here's where we need to be really, really clear. Regardless of where you have him, what seat you have him, the call is always to one starting point. This is it. The, the, the starting point is symbolized by what these guys are going to bring out. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. The, when Jesus issues this call, it's not, hey, I want you to be a better person. Hey, I want you to acknowledge me more. Hey, I want you to get your life together under me. That's not what his call is. The call starts first and foremost for every single human being. It starts to come to one place and one recognition. And that, that place, that place where you ask him to come and meet you, that place where you receive him is symbolized by this. The gospel. It's what happened on a cross. The cross represents everything that, that Jesus did. He, take a look at 1 Peter 3. This is what it says he did. Christ died on the cross for our sins once for all, the righteous, him, for the unrighteous, you and me, for this purpose. See what it's for? To bring you to God. To connect and be reconciled with God. To have God in your life in a place that He hasn't been before. How did He do that? First Peter 2, just before this, this is how He summarizes it. He Himself, it's talking about Jesus. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you've been healed. You're like sheep going astray, but now, now you return. You return to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Wherever you have God seated here, the invitation, the call of Jesus is, let's get things right here. Let's get your life paid for. Let's get you redeemed. Let's get him centered to who he is. And who he is is the one who came and sacrificed everything for you, this is what it means. This is what the gospel is. This is what recognition comes when you come to the cross. It is a recognition and admission that says, I am lost on my own. I have lived a self-directed life. I've been trying to make God my servant in some ways. I've tried to convince myself that I'm okay because I believe he's there or he's in charge of a few things. But I have to come to the point of saying nothing that I have will solve my initial, my central, my core problem, which is I am dead. My sin has condemned me. I have no way to pay for it for myself. Coming to the cross means that a person says, but I recognize something. That I have not been left to my own. That God, because of His great love for us, Ephesians 2 says, even while I was still a sinner, 
while I'm still trying to live independently, while I've been, I'm, I'm still dead, God, because He loved me, He intervened. He found a way to absorb the poisons and the eternal damnation that my soul demands in payment for justice. And He sent His Son who was pure and who had no call on His head for His sins. And that eternal being was able to absorb and transfer my sin onto Himself, my hell onto Himself on the cross. Coming to the Gospel means that I acknowledge that. I realize that. I'm overwhelmed with the fact that the God of the universe who, who has every right in the world to send me to pay for my own sins decided He didn't want to do that because of His love for me. And that He did everything necessary everything necessary to purchase my salvation, my redemption, my rescue on the cross. Responding to this means the gospel, the call of of Christ is to respond to the gospel that says, so that if I just by faith, simply by faith, independence, turn to him and say, What you did, I ask to be applied to me. I'm putting all my chips on Jesus. I'm inviting you to take your penalty payment and apply it to my account. That if I do that by faith, that God declares, simply on the basis of faith, He declares that I have been rescued. That it has been paid in full on my account that I am given a new life, that I have given a new king, a new direction, a new purpose in life. The call of Jesus is not just to get my life together. It is to come to the cross. The only place where that can happen. Jesus Christ dove out of heaven, took up the form of a human being, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law, and then offered his life of his own volition, of his own will, gave himself, was crucified by evil men. And in the moment that he was there suffering, the Father turned his back on him as he dumped all of your sin, all of my sin on his son. He rejected his son because his son was bearing sin. For one reason and one reason only. So you and I could go free. So we could have a life the way we were intended to have. So God could have the supremacy in where He sits in our life. The Bible makes it very, very clear that that is not just an amazing gift, but it is a lifelong call on people's lives. You may or may not have found yourself aware of God's presence in your world. You may not have hardly believed that He is around. But there is something that is true from God's Word. That God loves the world. God loves you. God pursues you. That God calls to you. For some in this room, He has been calling a long, long, long time. Maybe you've just begun to pay attention. Maybe you've just begun to wonder if you're hearing His voice. For some... It has been a subtle thing that has been working inside you and you've wondered and you've, you've been curious, but you've never fully acted. For others of you, he has trumpeted it loudly all of a sudden. 
He's saying it loud as, as if he's anxious and he's, he's heightened his desire to say it to you. Something has gotten your attention. Something has forced its way into your life to change your world so that you realize that you have a need. However he's done it, the call of Jesus Christ has been extended and there comes a moment. In every person's life, there comes a moment. Sometimes those moments pass and it's offered again. But for every person who wants life, there comes a moment when from your heart, you look at that offer, you listen to that call and you respond. You say now. It is time to invite God into a different chair in my life. It's time to come to the end of myself. Today, believe with everything in me that there's a reason why God gathered these people together in this room. And it's that some of us here have been brought to a place where the call has been issued and it's time to respond. There are some of us who are in, have God in seats four through six. He's sitting somewhere over here because that's where you've put him. And God has said, I want to move this direction. In order for that to happen, my call is to come here. I believe that there are some of us who have got God sitting right here. And maybe you've already said, I need you in my life. Maybe he's come into your life. But the call of the gospel is not to stay here. If you stop and think about it, you know that he is in charge of some. But that's not where he's content to be, to stay. And the call of Jesus Christ is to move in this direction. Perhaps you have him here and there's something in the way. There's something that has disabled you. There is something that's caused a wedge. There's something that you... Yeah, he's involved in much, but he's not been surrendered to. And he says, come to the cross. The, the call of the cross is to make me this. Listen to what the Bible says. This is how Romans 10 says you respond to this. Here's how you answer the call. It is with your heart that you believe. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. It's not a formula. It's a response from your will, from your soul. It's a declaration that says, I accept the offer. I respond to you. I'm heeding the call. This morning, we're going to... This, this is important. This is important to us around here. It's important to God. And this morning, we want to give an opportunity. We want to get an opportunity for you to get right with God. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to the call of Jesus Christ in your life. Wherever you have had God assigned to this point, we're inviting you to respond to His call. And for some in this room, for the first time in our lives, it's time. It's time to come here. 
It's time to say, I believe, I receive. It's time to do what that passage said. In my heart, I surrender. And with my mouth, I will confess that you are my Savior, that you're my Lord, that I will follow you. And perhaps it's for some of us to move where we've assigned God. Here's what we're going to do. We've got some people who um, cannot wait to pray with somebody because this is so important. And we're, gonna, we're just going to have a song that we're going to sing together. It's a song that says, Finally I Surrender. And if you're here today and you say, It's time. I've either been playing with this, I've been playing games with it, I've been deceiving myself, whatever it might be. If you're here and you would say, it's time for me to say I surrender, we, we want to give you an opportunity. That uh, We've we got a room over here on the side, it's a meeting room. When we're singing this song, we're going to stand in. If you say, you know what, I'd like to pray with somebody. I need to get something settled here. We've got people who will meet you over there, and you can just make your way from the first moment we start singing through the song. Perhaps... You have never come to a place where you're, you're here today and you're not sure that you've ever really done business with the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is that moment. We invite you to go pray with somebody. Perhaps you've wandered from God or you've assigned Him to a different seat and it's, you know it and you've been faking it and you say, I need to come clean about that and I'm gonna, I need somebody to pray with. We're going to ask you to just make your way to that, that room if you like. Today we're asking, we're telling you that the biggest change God wants to make in your world is the change that comes when you respond to the call of Jesus Christ. His call is issued to you now. Would you pray with me? If you need to do business with God, then don't let anything stop you. Don't let schedules, don't let fear, don't let what will somebody think Don't let anything stop you because the call of Jesus Christ is the most profound one. And God, now I invite you by your spirit, would you just saturate the hearts of people in this room with the the awareness of your love? Make it crystal clear for that person who doesn't sure where they stand with you that this is their moment to respond to the call. And we pray that you would Move among us so that we could be people who say, I want you sitting in the seat where you are in charge of all in my life. For someone who says, I don't even know where I stand with you. This would be their moment where they say, it's time to get right with God. And I will respond to the free gift of forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. God, would you make that happen? And thank you for the opportunity. All right, would you stand with me? Would you even just... You can read the words and sing along. And we're just going to have um, here the, sing this song. And it's from the from moment we start singing. If you want somebody to pray with you, we invite you to go and somebody will meet you over there.